0: Well, it's football season. Do we have any Vikings fans here? We we got some. We're filming this on a Tuesday, so I don't know if we're going to have two losses in a row or if we're going to be happy. There's that whole thing going on. But um, many of you know our friend Bob. Bob helps us out on the camps and retreats. Uh, Bob spends a lot of time here at the studio. Found out today that Bob and his buddies are Vikings fans. I was in the back there, and we've actually got a fit photo. Um, they're, they're gearing up. They're 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 probably doing their um, fantasy draft or something, but, uh, but Bob's, Bob's a, a big fan. The Vikings are not a perfect team. Hate to break the news to you. They're, they're not a perfect team, but for many of us, it's our team. It's our team. So we, 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 we cheer them on. We love our, our Vikings, uh, Vikings team. Well, here's something that, uh, is not just true for Vikings fans, but it's true of sports fans in general. If you're taking notes, I want to invite you to write this down because this isn't just about sports. It'll come into play later. And that is this, sports fans who care about the outcome, keep an eye on the scoreboard. Scoreboards are really, really helpful. Among other things, two of the questions that are important questions that a scoreboard will answer are, how we doing and how much time is left? Those are key questions if you care about the outcome. How we doing and how much time is left? Today, we're going to talk about those two important questions when it comes to something that we care a lot about here at Emmanuel. Before I tell you what that is, I want to give you some context for those of you who weren't here last week when we launched this series. Last week, the launch of the new series of which I'm speaking here is a series called Growing Pains. Growing Pains. Scripture casts a vision for a church family. And it's not a perfect family. but It's a family we're adopted into by a very good father. And this family that we're adopted into, we talked about this last week, It is an extended family. It's made up of men and women, young and old, married, singled, widowed, orphaned, separated, divorced. And our good father, he gifted us with a vision. He gifted us with a vision for a family that is committed to one another at every stage of life. And so that's what we're doing in this series. Today, we're going to be talking about the early years. Then we're going to talk about the teen years. Then we're going to talk about the adulting years and then retirement years. And finally, the final stages of life. Now, how does this deal with, does it have to do with a scoreboard? When it comes to our family scoreboard, one of our wins is whether or not we're doing what the scripture says or calls making disciples, making disciples. So if you take a notes, I want to write that down too. God's family. We've got a discipleship mandate. That's what we're about. At least one of the things we're about. Making disciples. What that is, if you're not familiar with the term, it's about helping people become more like Jesus. That's what discipleship is. All right. Well, so that's one of our wins. Here's how the idea of scoreboard comes into play. If you haven't written, written anything down yet, this is the one um, that I encourage you to write down, and and to really think about what's being said here. We only have about a thousand weeks before a student graduates from high school. How we doing? How much time is left when it comes to students? Last week, we had about a hundred and eighty kids at our church. Now for a reference point, I got, I was reading some church stuff and in the church stuff that I was reading, there was a stat and they said the median size of a church in the United States is about 60. 60. We had a hundred and eighty kids. We don't just have an opportunity. We got a responsibility to truly do the best we can to try to care for these kids. So how we doing? And how much time is left? Those are important questions. Now, fortunately, we got a source of God breathed wisdom that we can turn to for guidance on this. If you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to turn with me to Proverbs 22, 6. If you don't have a Bible at home, you can go right now, hit pause, go to Bible.com. They've got a great free Bible app that you can download. If you love practical, applicable wisdom, Proverbs Proverbs is filled with short, memorable sayings that contain a wealth of insight into how this world works and how do you live well in it. I remember the first time I came across Proverbs as a high schooler in the Bible. I read this thing. I'm like, this is in the Bible? They got a book like this? It's just like lots of little wise sayings. I love it. Love it, love it. One of my favorites. Hopefully, uh, if you haven't checked this book out encourage you to do that. All right. Well, we're actually gonna be digging into Proverbs at our fall retreat with our middle schoolers and our preteens. And one of the things I'm really looking forward to is we're gonna have a panel. So we're gonna have ahead of time, we're gonna have some high schoolers, some college age students. We're gonna say, pick some Proverbs that really speak to you. And then we're gonna have a panel where these high schoolers and these college students are gonna be saying, here's why I think this is something that you should listen to. You know, it. it not every one of our preteeners, not every one of our middle schoolers has an older brother or sister who is loving Jesus, following Jesus. This is an opportunity for every one of our teens to have an older brother, an older sister in Christ who's speaking this truth to them. Isn't that cool? So if you got a or if you got a middle schooler, sign them up. The retreat, man.church slash fall. Get them signed up. It's going to be really, really good. All right. Here it is. Here's the proverb that we're going to highlight today. Proverbs 22, six. This is going to sound very familiar. To many of you, but hopefully there's going to be some things we talk about today that maybe help frame it, um, in a way that you hadn't, hadn't seen. 22 6 says, train up a child in the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not depart from it. How many of you have heard that one before? It's, it's, it's a frequently quoted proverb. So what I'd like to do here is I want to zoom out first from this verse and then we're going to come back to it. So let's zoom out and look at Proverbs. It is really interesting in light of this series we're in called Growing Pains about these different generations. It's really interesting to look at how Proverbs is structured and the generational aspects that bookend all the little Proverbs. Proverbs doesn't just launch into lots of little Proverbs. Proverbs starts out differently. Proverbs starts out with a father downloading wisdom into his son. And then later into his sons. And he invites his son to consider the difference. He's like, here's what wisdom looks like. Here's what foolishness looks like. There's a big contrast here. The father tells his son and then his sons. He says, call out for insight. Cry aloud for understanding. He says, discretion will protect you. Understanding, he says, will guard you. He goes on to say, if you trust in the Lord with all your heart and if you lean not on your own understanding, if in all your ways you acknowledge him, he will, does anyone know, make your paths straight. This father then also says, be careful. Be careful about just following the crowd. He even goes as far as saying, be careful about following your own heart. There's all some checks and balances there. And then he really drills down into sexual integrity. In fact, chapter 7 is all about this warning. He, he points to this woman, this adulterous woman. He says, do not follow that path. And He goes on to explain what could happen if, if you do. Well, it's really interesting, and it starts out that way because the very next chapter, the chapter right after a, a severe warning to avoid the adulterous woman, the book then shifts in chapter 8 from a father instructing his son to personifying wisdom as a woman as a as lady wisdom and he talks about how lady wisdom is woven into the very fabric of the universe and she calls out for people to seek her she lady wisdom is beyond compare the word says she's more valuable than choice gold or rubies remember that language because we're going to see that happen later Okay, so that's how Proverbs opens. Proverbs opens with a father downloading wisdom into his son. Then it's this lady wisdom um, personified. It's all in the world. Then come the Proverbs. And from about chapter 10 to 29, you've got one proverb after another, after another, after another, after another. And it covers so much. There are all these Proverbs about life and about death and about work and friendship and marriage and family and money anger, forgiveness, and so much more. Well, one of the themes that's reinforced over and over and over again in Proverbs is this. If you make wise, God-honoring choices, things are more likely to go well with you. And if you follow the path of evil, if you follow the path of foolishness, things are much more likely to not go well with you. Something that people often forget when they read Proverbs, is this: that Proverbs are not promises. That's important to remember. There's, there's a difference. Proverbs are not promises. They're not formulas that guarantee success. If you do this, it's guaranteed to work out the way you, you think it will. In this world, things can go wrong. Things do go wrong. And it was really interesting. Uh, Bible Project, uh, BibleProject.com, go there sometime. They do a great job with, uh, with their treatment of Proverbs. And one of the things they reminded us of in, in that video, they said, There are two more wisdom books, Job and Ecclesiastes, that are all about that, that are all about the world doesn't always go like we think. And sometimes we do the right things and it seems like the wrong thing happens. But this point that you see in all of those books is that if you want to choose the one way, if you want to choose the one way that is most likely to keep you away from the deepest forms of pain and regret, if you want to choose the one way that will, no matter what happens, will ultimately lead you home. If you want to choose that one way, pursue the way of wisdom with all your heart. All right, so that takes us up then to the closing chapters. And these closing chapters of Proverbs, they come back to that generational theme. That's how it closes. In chapter 30, now you have a son who is declaring, I'm all in on this. God's way is the way and I'm going to humble myself, and that's the way that I want for my life. He's embodying the kind of life that has been talked about now for the first 29 chapters of Proverbs. This young man is embodying it, and he's so thankful that he's walking in the ways that his father taught him. And then, in the final chapter, you've got a king. And this king is passing along wisdom to his son that was passed down to him by his mother. So you've got this whole passing down of wisdom again. And then Proverbs ends with a woman who embodies the wisdom of Proverbs. She actually now, as a person, embodies wisdom that was personified in that lady wisdom. That's how it closes. And how does it describe her? As beyond compare, as worth more than rubies. This book is so wonderfully constructed. And, oh, don't forget to say this. The author, as he's describing this, this woman who is living out, she's embodying now these wise practices, he literally uses the Hebrew alphabet to list her qualities with the Hebrew equivalent of A to Z. It's just so fun. So in the middle of all that, in the middle of a father downloading wisdom into his son, in the middle of lady wisdom crying out universally to all of us in between that and then a son and a daughter embracing wise instruction, celebrating the difference that it made in their own lives. In between that is the verse that we read earlier, Proverbs 26 or 22 verse six, train up a child in the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not depart from it. That's the context surrounding this passage. Proverbs 22, 6 then begs at least two questions. Who's training our kids? And what are they being trained to do? Because if this is grounded in all that wisdom that we just talked about, that if you train a child in the way they go, when they're older, they're not going to depart from it. Who's training our kids? And what are they being trained to do? Are they being trained and instructed in the way of wisdom? By an extended family that's wise and loving and cares? Or are they being instructed and trained in a way that's not wise? By people who ultimately have selfish goals in mind, self-serving goals in mind, foolish, foolish mindsets, or even evil that have evil intent for these kids. I think that is a great conversation to have. We had this with the youth team a while back. Have that conversation with your friends, with your family, small church, who's training today's kids and what are they learning? Well, as a starting point for your discussion, let me offer this. As someone who was a teen in the 80s, as a youth director in the 90s, maybe this is going to put things in perspective, right? Have any of you ever heard of a heavy metal band by the name of Twisted Sister? Anyone know? Some of you have heard of Twisted Sister? All right. Twisted Sister. They were really big in in the 80s. Um, I think we have a picture. There they are. Twisted Twisted Sister. Their front man was Dee Snider. All right. Here's how far things have gone since then. Back in the 80s, Twisted Sister was a parent's worst nightmare. Why do I say that? Because their big anthem was a song called We're Not Going to Take It go to YouTube download that thing it's completely cr- totally cringy but in the 80s this was every parent's worst nightmare because here is this heavy metal rock band literally bursting and invading your house they come in your house and then turn your own kids against you and then kick you out of the house and the kids turn into the band so parents are like this is horrible you're you're overtly trying to turn my kids against me and turn them into you so back in the 80s Parents' Worst Nightmare, I wrote in my notes, oh, to be able to go back to those good old days. If only Twisted Sister was public enemy number one. Get this, here's where I'm going with this. Twisted Sisters, big hit. We're not going to take it. That was not a pro-Way of Wisdom anthem. Get this, that song, that same song, we're not going to take it, it recently got canceled. And it didn't get canceled by a conservative, you know, Christian group. This song, I'm not making this up. This song, We're Not Gonna Take It, got canceled by a group that claims to be advocating for kids, not because it's turning kids against their parents, but because D Snyder isn't going far enough. He's not going far. They're considering D Snyder from Twisted Sister and this band not going far enough. And they canceled that. They used to use that as their anthem. In today's world, Twisted Sister is too conservative. If that doesn't put it in perspective, I don't know what else to say. Again, we could spend all fall talking about who's training our kids and what they're learning. Today, I just want to zero into one thing that applies to this, this, um, this series that we're in. One thing, one, just one thing that our kids are learning. And if you're taking notes, I invite you to write this down. Unfortunately, one of the many things that kids are learning today is that church family comes last. That's one of the things that they're learning. They're being trained in this. 40 million Americans have dropped out of church in the last 25 years. 40 million. It's the biggest decline in church attendance in the history of the United States. Nothing ever like it before. And according to some of the latest research available, most people walk away from the church, not because the reasons maybe you're thinking of, because the d Sniders and the influencers and stuff like that. According to the research, most of the people walk away from church because they simply have too much going on. That's what the latest research is showing. Here's a quote from an article quoting one of these studies. The underlying challenge for many is that their lives are stretched like a rubber band about to snap. And church attendance just ends up feeling like an item on a checklist that's already too long. Now, I think most of us can relate to this. I'm a a pastor and I can relate to this. But there's a cost to kids. There's a cost to kids. With the scoreboard ticking down, here's here's another quote from that article. And these, I've seen these stats before. And so here's what they say. Just in real practical terms, participation in a religious community generally correlates with better health outcomes, longer life, higher financial generosity, and more stable families, all of which are desperately needed in a nation with rising rates of loneliness, mental illness, and alcohol and drug dependencies. If you read Proverbs, which I encourage everyone to do, 31 chapters in Proverbs longest month we have is 31 days read a proverb a day I encourage you to do this tell me if Proverbs doesn't speak to these things it's like we often say science is catching up with scripture behavioral science is catching up with scripture Proverbs said (laughs) follow the way of wisdom and things will go better with you don't follow the way of wisdom and things won't go as well with you we're seeing that we're seeing it happen we're seeing it lived out These are exactly the kind of good things that Proverbs says wisdom of God will lead you to. These are exactly some of the kinds of bad things that the wisdom of God will keep you from. Kids thrive. Now, if the church isn't functioning like a church, then it doesn't matter the same way. But if a church is trying to live these things out, kids thrive. Kids thrive. We know this from the research. Kids thrive in a caring, loving community surrounded by peers, surrounded by adults, surrounded by role models who love them and believe in them. In fact, that is necessary for development and having a sense of security and attachment, all those things. In my health education classes, we used to call it multiple secure attachments. Consider this quote. This is written to parents with littles. Sooner or later, a shift will happen in your relationship with your son or daughter. When it happens... It may seem like they're going to care more about what other adults say than what you say. Don't take it personally. Leverage this shift to widen the circle of positive influences in your child's life. Every kid is looking for a tribe outside their family where they can find a place to belong. Either they will find somewhere on their own or you can help them find a place that reflects your values and your hearts for their future. So why not? Why not connect them with other adults who will also treat them like they're made in the image of God. With a show of hands. And and online, I want to invite you to this too. How many of you want to help create a culture that's more like this? Right? Increasingly more like this. we got 180 kids. You know, and a lot of us too. It's like, we wish we would have had that for our kids when they were younger. Let's do the best we can for this generation of kids. The best we can to try to be able to offer that for them. So here are some thoughts. Of long, when it comes to disciple making for kids, things that some of us can do, some of these are things that all of us can do. Number one, bring kids to Jesus. We did that today. We're doing that today with that dedication. Bring them to be baptized. Bring them to be dedicated. And when we're asking for that blessing, give it. Give it as a church. Bring them to ECC Kids. You bless them that way where they get surrounded with others who are with the Spirit of Christ living in them and imparting it through their words, through their actions, through their prayers. All right, number two, seize life's moments. And this isn't just for parents. Almost all of us have kids in our lives in some way, shape, or form. When you share a mealtime with a kid, take time to thank God for the food. Have them see that that is just a regular thing. Take time to teach them. Let's put away the devices. At meals, let's be fully present with one another. There are all kinds of life moments. Morning time, drive time, bedtime, birthdays, holidays, vacations. When you see something, you're with a kid, you see something that's God-honoring, pointing that out. When you're with a kid, you see something that's not, pointing that out. There's all kinds of ways to seize life's moments. Here's another one. Support Christ's church through your giving and your serving. Have I mentioned at least 20 times yet that we had 180 kids last week? You're helping. When you give to Emmanuel, one of the things you're giving to is to provide these great spaces and to provide these great content and all these types of things. Here's another one. Bless kids with boundaries. Can I get an amen to this? What happened to this? What happened to adults acting like adults? Kids need them. They need boundaries when they don't have boundaries that affects them for the rest of their lives. In fact, I don't know if some of you remember, but right before the pandemic, so many people, right before the pandemic, they were raising the alarm that we're not raising adults. They were raising the alarm that we're not raising adults. They were recognizing more and more than we've seen before. There's a whole generation that were heading into adulthood. They didn't have a clue how to be an adult. Here's a great reminder from Reggie Joyner and Kristen Ivy. They said this, you're not raising children. Who are we raising? We're raising adults. Kids cannot become healthy adults if they aren't taught boundaries and if they don't experience the consequences that come with crossing them. Here's another quote that speaks to that. And this one comes from a, a book that was written by a licensed psychiatrist and a pediatrician. Somewhere inside your child, she wants to be, wants you to be in charge. Make sure I get that out of my mouth right. Somewhere inside your child, she wants you to be in charge. As much as it may appear to the contrary, they want you to be an adult. It's very unnerving to a kid. They may not let it out. You may not see it, but it's very unnerving for a kid when adults aren't acting like adults. All right, blessing kids with boundaries goes hand in hand with the next one. Gift kids with grit. Can I get an amen to that? You you gotta gift kids with grit. We give kids the gift of grit, not only helping kids understand boundaries, but also helping them learn that you can overcome challenges. And there's some that you can't and it's okay. Right, you keep moving forward. We don't disciple kids by always rescuing them. Here's an example of one of those books that I was telling you about. This one's literally called How to Raise an Adult. Interestingly enough, you know, this was written by, this was written by a former admissions counselor from Stanford. And she began to realize these kids, one of the most difficult colleges to get into in the entire United States, these kids are coming, their resumes have never looked better. They can't do life. She, she literally told the story. This, this kid, brilliant kid on paper, big old box shows up at the curbside. This kid, because he can't lift the box, can't figure out how to get the box to his room and, and start to realize a lot of these kids. It's not that these kids were performing as high as we think they are. It's they had quite the support staff, mom and dad carrying a lot of the weight, tutors, coaches, a whole string of professionals. And she writes this in her book. <laughs> Allowing freedom within limits to try and to fail and to get better, it is the what? It's the only way for children or anyone to ever learn how to do things for themselves. The the way a lot of people are, are overprotecting, even when you think I'm getting to, them to a higher performance, you're actually taking these talented young people and you're not training them how to learn how the real world works. In fact, one more quick story. She even tells the story of a mom. This mom, her her son came to him, uh, came to her. He had just recently graduated from like an Ivy League school. He was getting a six figure salary right out of college. Mom hears that he, he's getting worked real hard. She finds the CEO's cell phone number and calls the CEO. Yeah, that's what my eyes did too. How do you think that went? Here's a box your stuff kid loses his job the older i get the wiser the proverb sounds all right here's another one oh disciple making early years help kids see and experience that scripture is special it's not just another book from the earliest years help them to see that help them to experience that first and foremost they need to see that we love it that we are in the word, we're quoting the word, we're guiding our our lives around the word. But there's also so many great resources out there. Jesus Storybook Bible is one that we recommend all the time. As kids get older, maybe they're preteen or upper elementary years, the Action Bible is a graphic novel version of the Bible. These are exceptional resources. We actually just added a resource center here at the studio. We also have one now on Sunday mornings. We'd encourage you to go open up some of these resources and and take a look. All right. Uh, one more bullet, one more bullet. Here it is. Keep what? Keep growing yourself. Keep growing yourself. There are so many great resources out there that can help us grow when it comes to understanding kids better and discipling and, and helping to, to guide them along the way. Here are just two examples. Um, one of my favorites that's just kind of overall, um, great book talking about raising um, raising young people, GIST. It's a fantastic book. And then I just got, I just found these. These are like my new favorite things. You can get a pack of these for like 15 bucks uh, if you go to parentqstore.org. They're called the Phase Profile Summaries. They've got new baby. They got one-year-old, two-year-old, each grade. And what these things are is they just, they tell you things like, you know, they tell you a little bit what to expect as a parent. They talk about, you know, just kind of summarize what is the essence of someone at this age? What, How do they think? They have all these real practical cues about something to do in the morning and like with babies, feed time, cuddle time, bath time, just what they're going through physically. I mean, these little cards are just pure gold. So I encourage you to, to look at these great resources out there. And I wrote here so I didn't forget. Resources are great, but some of the absolute best resources are these people around you. We've got so many people. We've got an amazing church family. And together, we're making a real difference. Why do I say that? Because I can see it. I think I've told the story before of getting up at camp one year, and I'm like, why does it seem like The students each year, the preteeners, they're coming in more and more ready. They're coming in more and more engaged. They're coming in more and more like, I want to learn. I want to grow. Like, what's going on? And I remember getting prompted. I felt by this little voice, I believe it's from the Holy Spirit saying, ask them what year they were born. So I asked them what year they were born. They were born the year that the church started. It was our first generation of these kids who had been born into this loving community that was pouring into them. We can see a difference here in these kids. This matters. So when you look at the scoreboard, when you look at the scoreboard, it might appear as though the opposition is too strong. It's like we are just down by too many points. And as Vikings fans, to bring this full circle, we felt that way many a time. But what did Vikings fans learn on December 17th, 2022, when we were down by 33 points, a deficit that no NFL team in history had ever come back from? We learned that our beloved and imperfect Vikings can overcome the seemingly impossible if we work together. Scripture describes a great cloud of witnesses. As we bring this to a close, here's what I'd like you to do. Imagine the great cloud of witnesses, those who have gone before us, those who are beyond time as we know it. Imagine them cheering us on as we're about this important work, as we're trying to pour into these kids. We're trying to pour into it. So imagine they're cheering us. And I've got a clip that we're going to close with from my phone. I, we were fortunate enough to be at the game. I've been to like one game in three years. We were at that game. And so this is a clip from from our phone, or it might be Laura's phone, one of our phones. It all is a blur at this point because it was so fun. Imagine that that stadium, that's the cloud of witnesses watching us as we are doing the best we can to try to help these kids say yes to Jesus. So imagine that as we watch this clip.